All right. Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, go with us to the book of Acts once again. And I want to start today in Acts chapter 2. In case anybody was wondering, yes, we are an Acts chapter 2 kind of church. For several weeks now in church, we've been looking in the book of Acts and the Lord's been leading us to to look specifically at the, the catalyst to the growth of this church, because this is the church that we're a part of. This This church in the book of Acts is the church that you and I are a part of now. This is our church. And you see in places throughout this book where this church grew and not just a little bit, but explosively. And the Lord's been talking to us for the last several weeks about expecting explosive growth. It's so funny to be sitting here talking about explosive growth when we're the only ones in the room when nobody else is in here. But like I mentioned to you last week, and I've said it before, as people of faith, we don't wait until we see something before we say something. In other words, we're not going to wait to preach salvation in here until we start seeing salvations. That's not how it works. You preach it, you speak it, you believe it, then you see it. We're not going to wait and preach healing until after we've seen some people healed? Absolutely not. No, we preach it now. We preach it right now so that faith can come. And when faith comes and you believe it, then we begin to see it. Well, the same thing goes for our growth as a church, as a body, as a family. I'm not going to wait until we grow to preach growth. We're going to preach it now. That way we begin to believe it so that we can see it. And we've been looking at a number of places in the book of Acts at what caused these people to grow and to grow explosively. I want to go to uh, Acts chapter two. Of course, you remember what happened in Acts chapter two. At the beginning, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that came from heaven and it filled up that upper room and the Holy Spirit fell on those people and filled them up. And you know, they began to speak with other tongues and they came stumbling out of that upper room and All the people around him in the city said, man, these guys are drunk. And Peter said, no, we're not drunk the way you think we are. He said, we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And he began to preach and he preached the gospel to him. And the Bible says in uh, Acts chapter two, verse 40, uh, that with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, that day, this is not over the course of time, that day, what does it say? About 3,000 souls were added to them. That is explosive growth. That's huge. And what was the catalyst for that? It was being filled with the Holy Spirit and yielding to the Holy Spirit and preaching by the Holy Spirit, inspired utterance, not just in an unknown tongue, but inspired utterance, preaching the anointed word and 3000 people were added to the church. Keep going in this though. It says in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Now, this is not being terrified. This is not being afraid. This is the fear of God. This is that reverential awe 
of God and who he is. And that kind of fear of the Lord came upon every soul. And notice what's connected to that. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. What's connected to the fear of God and the fear of God in this church was that many wonders and many signs were done by the apostles, talking about signs and wonders of healing. And well, hold your place here in chapter two and just look over at chapter nine with me quickly. And I think we may get into this in the, the weeks to come, but let me just give you a taste of it. In chapter nine, verse 31, the Bible says, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. That means they were built up. They were strengthened. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Sarah, other translations literally say they increased in numbers. So here's more than one place now. We've seen it twice where the fear of the Lord, the atmosphere that is full of reverence and awe, for who God is and not just who he is, but what he and only he can do, which is working signs and wonders and miracles. And there's a real distinction between the fear of the Lord and being afraid of God. This is not about being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord, the reverential awe of who he is comes there's so much you can say about it. It's all throughout the word, but let me just put it in the simplest terms that I know how. The fear of the Lord comes as the result of just having a very real experience with who he is. I mean, would you agree with that? When you encounter God and he's real to you, and church is not just something you do, it's not just a box you check, it's not just a habit or a tradition. It's a very real encounter with the presence of God. He's real to you. And when he's real to you, you don't get away with being casual. When God is real to you, when you've really experienced him and a manifestation of his presence, you're not loose about it. You're not casual with it. And I'm sad to say that I think in much of the church world and culture right now, there's a real push towards a more casual approach. And I'm not trying to say anything to judge anyone. We're, we have enough to be responsible for ourselves. But one of the things that, that, that we're going to make as a part of our culture and one of the things you're going to come to know as a part of this church is that we're not trying to see how casual we can be. You jump in here and, and add to this because I know this is a big part well, of what's in your heart too. It's so good to be able to know when it's time to play. That's it. And it's time to be casual. Yeah. And then the moment that you you are able to sense in a moment when it's time to make that switch to honor God yeah. and to honor his things, to honor his people, and to know what that is and when that is. Yeah. And um, it takes having been with him, like you're saying, having history with him. And as you're talking, I'm remembering as a little girl, uh, I grew up in church and my family, if there was one thing we did, it was we were in church every single Sunday, every Wednesday, every time the doors were open, we were in these seats because we knew the power of the local church. 
And it's still, it's ingrained in me today how powerful it is to be in the sanctuary, to be with God's people, to, to gather together and to see what God can do when we come together with a spirit of faith and a spirit of unity. And I remember sitting in those pews, <laughs> we had pews at the time, and the, the uh, ministry of worship beginning to happen. And, you know, I was so little. My brothers and I, we would have coloring books. We would have notepads. We would, we would just, we'd be in there for the long haul. This service may be going late because we're going to have the moving of the spirit. I remember things we'd talk about having, um, we, we would have revival weeks where we were there every single night. But I'm telling you, as a little girl, I remember those moments in God's presence when it was no longer man leading a service. It was like God himself came in the room Thank you, Lord. and he began to show himself. And I remember his presence as a little kid. I mean, that's why we talk about so much always keeping your children around the anointing. Because when they're little, when we're little and we experience God in, in his like, complete reality of who he is, real. Uh, you know, he is the real deal. Jesus is so real. And when you experience his presence and his anointing like that, you develop a, an honor and a fear, a reverential fear for the things of God. And you are, you know what it's like when he comes in the room. You know what it's like when his presence is tangible. You know what it's like, like when his, he's <clears throat> pleased with something happening in a service. Yeah. You know it because you've experienced it ever since you were little. You know when it's time to flip that switch, when I'm just friend uh, and having fun and playing around. And then when it's that moment and God is, it's time to honor God. And so for me as a little girl, I remember those moments so deeply. Yeah. And so today when the presence of God begins to move in the sanctuary, I know it's him. And when it's not him, and it, you may, you know, it, it's a, it, I, I will never be fooled. <laughs> or yeah. the, you can't fabricate it to me. Yeah. You, can't, you can't make it up to me. It's like either him or it's not. And I think that's the power of, of be, learning the honor of God when you're young. And then as you grow up, you begin to recognize this is God, this is not God, yeah. and this is how I, I I come into his presence with great awe. I'm not playing around when I come to church. I'm looking for him, and I'm looking for him to move in my life. And you see the connection here in verse 43 the, of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Then fear, that's this kind of reverential awe that Sarah's talking about, it came on every soul, and here's what's connected to it, wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And I think, Sarah, and I'm not even sure I saw this as clearly as I do sitting here right now, that one of the reasons in, in church culture that, that we see more of a tendency towards a looseness or a casualness is when you don't have a manifestation of the power of God, it's easy to be loose. It's easy to have kind of a nonchalant approach to it and not really realize that you're doing anything wrong. But when the power of God, come on now, listen to me. When the power of God is on display, 
And people are being healed and signs and wonders and miracles are happening in your midst. It's almost impossible to stay casual. It's almost impossible to look at that. I mean, what if we're in this room someday or in our sanctuary and the power of God hits this place and somebody who came in in a wheelchair or something in a moment of time, they get up. There's not going to be anybody in the room going, hmm, interesting. Well, what do you know? It's hard to stay that way around a manifestation of the power of God. And this is what you see in connection to that reverential fear and the awe of who he is. Why did they have that? Because God was on display in that church all the time. And what you see in connection to it in verse 47 It says that they were praising God, having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. This was their church growth strategy, if you will, an atmosphere so full of reverence and so full of awe and worship for who God is that he was able to be on display in their presence and there were signs and there were wonders and there were miracles. Just turn the page to to chapter three and here you get to see one of those signs, one of those wonders and miracles. You know, one of the things about that is it's not, it's not being reverential is not just being serious. Right. It's not necessarily the same thing. Or depressed. It's not or sad. depressed. Yeah. It's not sad. And it's not having no fun. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I think about last week in praise and worship, we had a move had a of God. Yeah. And we had fun. We danced. We sang. And it was God. It was all Him. And it was a wonderful thing. But was it fun? Was there joy involved? Yeah. And that you would always tell it's God when there's joy. Well, that's the difference between the Old Testament believer, if you will, and the New Testament believer. These, many of these people that were being added to this church were converts from their Jewish faith. They had the fear of God. They grew up with a a holy fear of who he was, probably to the point of actually being terrified or afraid. But the difference, and we read it in chapter nine, this this church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. See, you have to have these two things working together at the same time. That's what you're talking about. That's the only way to describe the kind of atmosphere that we desire and hunger for in this church. Yes, we want a place that's full of reverence and we're not gonna be super casual about things, okay? Even even down to some practical things and we'll talk more about that in the future, but this is not going to be just laid back, super casual. No, we're gonna reverence the things of God we are going to have a very real revelation of of the awesomeness of God. But connected to it is going to be you and I walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so much of that comfort is joy. Joy, And that's what we had last week. That's a great example of it. It was It was fun. We were laughing, (laughs) wrong notes, wrong words, just being silly. But the Lord was in it. I can't explain it really, but he was in it. And that's us walking in the reverence of who he is and 
in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I think we'll get into more of that maybe even next week as the Lord leads us. But in chapter 3, you see one of these signs and these wonders and miracles on display. It says in verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So in one verse, you get a really good snapshot of this guy's entire life. He's lame from his mother's womb. He's born with this defect. And because of that, now even as an adult, they, somebody has to go get him, pick him up, put him at the gate of this temple, and he's laid there every single day to beg. So, so you really get a pretty good glimpse into what, what Satan's whole goal is with demonic oppression. That's what sickness is. That's what disease is. That's what disability is. It is oppression. And it becomes not just a burden in your life, but he's a burden to somebody else who has to pick him up and put him there. He, he, this, this physical burden has manifested in a financial one. He's unable to work. He can't earn a living. And he has to sit there and beg from people every single day. Man, I'm telling you, you and I have no business putting up with and tolerating physical sickness, disease, pain, disability, and I don't care how long it's been a part of your life, it is not from God and you don't need to put up with it any longer. And you're going to see how here in just a moment that the will of God for this man is for him to be well. In verse 3 it says, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on them with John, uh, Peter said, Look at us. Verse 5, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Now, we're in chapter 3. As of chapter 2, what is it Peter has? He's got the Holy Ghost. He is full of the Holy Spirit. And not just full of the Holy Spirit, but full of the power that comes with that. He said to him, in verse six, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him, verse seven, by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I love the boldness of Peter here. He didn't even give this guy an opportunity. He's saying, you are walking today. You are going to be healed and made well today. Grabbed him by the hand, pulled him up. And notice what the Bible says. Immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. They received strength. So that is an indicator of what the problem was. He was lame from his mother's womb. But what he lacked in his feet what he lacked in those bones and those muscles and those joints was strength. There was not enough strength. He didn't, his body didn't develop the strength naturally like yours or mine or many others. He lacked strength. He was weak. The problem was weakness. And honestly, that, if you think about it, really is the source 
of much of the sickness that the world deals with. There's weakness there. Uh, weakness is the problem, not just physically, but weakness is the source of the problem in many different areas in life. Being weak like we're seeing here physically, or being weak mentally, or being weak emotionally, or being weak relationally, or being weak financially. Weakness over and over and over, you see, is the problem. It's the root cause of so many problems. And sickness in the body is the result over and over and over again of just weakness. Maybe it's the result of a, uh, a weak muscle, a weak joint, a weak bone. Maybe it's the result of a weak immune system. But what happened to this man and what God wants to do in your life and mine today and as long as you walk with him, this man received strength. And it was that increase, that immediate increase of strength that caused him to get up when just a moment ago he couldn't. Caused him to walk when for, from that moment, from, from the time he was born to that moment there, he never took a step because of that weakness. But when Peter spoke to him in the name of Jesus, he received strength. It says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, verse eight, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew, verse 10, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now keep reading here into verse 11. It says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Listen to Peter's response to them. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us? Listen to that again. Why do you look so intently at us? as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. Man, this is the right response. There is such a temptation that every one of us deal with. When the Lord does something good through you, there is a temptation for the flesh to want people to look at you and to give you some sort of recognition for it or to give me some sort of praise for it. Or your faith. What's that? Or your faith. Your faith. Or to give credit to your yes. faith, right? But what Peter did was he looked at all these people as they came running to him and Peter and John. He said, why are you looking at me? I don't know if he knew it right then and there, but there was something in him that knew, don't take the glory for this. Don't let people look at you for this. He said, give God the glory. Be quick to recognize who that came through, whose power accomplished that. He said in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. We talked about that last week in church. Can I get 
a witness, somebody who has seen, somebody who has heard, somebody who knows something about the goodness of God. And that's what Peter's saying. I'm a witness. I was there when he got up. I was there when he went down. I was there when he got up. I saw him. I am an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus. He said, of whom we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man didn't make him, doesn't say he healed him, doesn't say made him well, which this, all that is true, but it made this man strong. He made this man strong. That is what was the catalyst to this miracle, where once there was weakness, in a moment there was strength. And Peter said it was the name of Jesus and faith in that name that made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent, he said, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Sarah, we know this, and I would dare say much, if not all of the body of Christ knows this, that when you repent and you're converted from sinner to saint, from full of sin to being made the righteousness of God, your sins are blotted out. Your sins are wiped away. But what Peter added to this that many people don't realize is that just as much as your sins being wiped out is the result of your repentance, so is this time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. That's as much a part of our salvation experience, if you will, as our sins being blotted out. Times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord. What we're seeing here in these scriptures is what was it that caused this church to grow? What was it? Because you read just a few verses later that on top of the 3,000 that were added to the church that day, on top of those being added to the church daily, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, you get to chapter 4 and you realize that just a few days after the day of Pentecost, there's 5,000 people in this church. It's growing every day exponentially more and more and more and more. And one of the things that we see that is causing this growth are these signs, these wonders, these miracles. People walking in the reverence of God, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I think what you're seeing here is that this church was growing this way because people realized there was something you could get here that you couldn't get anywhere else. Sarah, that's what I want for our church. That's what I want this place to be. That's what I want to be the source of the growth of this place is that people come and they realize I encounter the presence of God there. This, this refreshing that Peter's talking about, that's what this church is and will be. 
I'm saying it in Jesus' name that people will come to this place, come in worn out, walk out refreshed because of the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let me read this to you from another translation. In the CEV, verse 19 says, So turn to God, give up your sins, and you will be forgiven. Then the time will come when the Lord will give you fresh strength. So Peter's talking about what happened to this guy. And he's saying what happened to him, you can have. This is not an isolated instance. This increase and influx of strength that came as the result of this man encountering the Spirit of God and this guy getting a taste of the anointing that was so strong on Peter and John. Peter is saying, hey, if you repent, if you convert, you can experience every sin being washed away and you can get this same kind of fresh strength. Man, I've got it in my heart this morning that there are many in our congregation today in need of this kind of strength. Sarah and I have gotten word just over the last couple of days about some folks not feeling well and, and, and people having to miss some, some time at work or time in service, not, not feeling good, just worn down a little bit, having some symptoms in their body. Well, I'm telling you, the Lord is speaking to you today and he is speaking strength to you in Jesus' name. And Sarah and I are speaking strength to you in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Strength. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Why don't you say it out loud right now? Just say it. I am strong, I am strong. In, the Lord in the Lord and in the power of His might. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You may need to say it another time or two. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. Now listen, folks, this is going to be one of the things that causes this place to grow. We are going to see signs. We are going to see wonders. We are going to see miracles. We are going to see people made instantly well, strong where there was weakness when they encounter that anointing. And Sarah, that's what the anointing is. And that's what the anointing does. It's a strengthener. It's a strengthener. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter four, I can do all things through Christ. That's the anointing. That's the anointed one. Through that anointing, which strengthens me. The anointing is a strengthener. And I'm telling you, those of you who are, you're excited about the opening up of this church, we are too, but this is what you are going to come into this place expecting to receive a strength that comes from the anointing. Girl, I'm doing all this preaching. Why don't you jump in? I know you got something good. I'm going to, uh, let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. And I know my wife and I know she'll have something to say about this right here. Isaiah chapter 53. Talking to you about receiving strength this morning, about receiving your healing today signs, wonders, and miracles in this church. And I know you're saying, well, nobody's in the room. I don't think it matters to the Lord. I think he's more than able 
to meet you right where you are and to fill up your home with some of that same anointing that was on Peter, that was on John, that's in this room this morning. I believe your own living room can be filled today with the presence of God and you can experience times of refreshing, times of fresh strength. I know it. I just know it in my heart right now. There are people watching today You're worn out, you're worn down, your body's feeling weak, you've got symptoms of maybe cold or flu. I don't care if it's COVID itself. It's nothing in comparison to the strength of the anointing and you can be made strong right now in the name of Jesus. Do you hear me? It's that name and faith in that name that brings strength. And that man received strength immediately. His feet and ankle bones were made strong. He went walking and leaping and praising God. There was weakness, then there was strength. In Isaiah chapter 53, I know you've heard this before, but look at verse one. It says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is this Old Testament prophet seeing into the future, talking about Jesus. Verse three says, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. This is talking about Jesus coming to his own people and them not recognizing him. Claiming to be looking for the Messiah, but when he stood there right in front of him, didn't have eyes to see him. And the scripture talks about them despising him, didn't esteem him. That means they didn't put value on him. And Jesus, when he went into his own hometown, Mark chapter six, he went into town that day with all the same willingness to heal, heal, all the same desire and ability to heal. He was the word made flesh. He was the will of God made flesh. And he went in that day with the same willingness and ability to heal people that he had in all the towns before that, but because they were so familiar, because there was no reverence, there was no respect, there was no honor. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his own family, among his own people. And the Bible says he could there do no mighty work. See, once again, we're seeing this connection between reverence and the healing power of God between our worship, our reverential awe for him, just standing back and saying, God, you are awesome. God, you are an awesome God. Somebody should write a song about that. God, you are wonderful. God, you are majestic. God, you are awesome. There is a connection between your reverence for him and his ability, not his willingness. He wants to. He wants to heal, but his ability is cut short by our lack of honor. But where there is honor for him, there is an open door for his healing power to flow. But Isaiah said, we saw him, but we hid our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem. We didn't value him. Look at verse four. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Listen to that verse, verse four from the Amplified Bible. It says, surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, our weaknesses and distresses. So this word grief, Sarah, translates not just to emotional grief, but to physical sickness and to weakness of every kind. Jesus took on himself on the cross, your weakness, my weakness. He carried our weakness. He carried it. Why? So that we could be weak? No, so that we could be strong. It was at the cross where he made this exchange. We call it the grace exchange where he took our sickness and he gave us his healing. He took our grief and he gave us his joy. And what is the joy of the Lord? It is our strength. It's your strength. He took our weakness and in exchange for our weakness, he gave us his strength. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, our weakness and our distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten and afflicted by God as, if, as, as with leprosy. But look, look at what verse five says. He was wounded for our transgressions, not for something he did, not for some sin or mistake he made but for mine, for yours. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Glory to God. By his stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Lord. Just thank the Lord for it right now. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that heals. Thank you, Lord, for making us well and whole and strong. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your strength. Let the Lord minister his strength to you right now. He wants to do it right now. Just like that man at that, at that gate of the temple who immediately receive strength. You can immediately receive your strength right now. That's what the anointing is. It's a strengthener. And the Bible says Christ, that, anoint, that anointing and the anointed one himself has redeemed us from the curse, being made a curse for us. Well, where was the anointing made a curse? It was right there on that cross. It was right there on that cross. And it was on the cross that Jesus, the Christ, became Jesus, the cursed. Again, not for a sin that he committed, but for yours and for mine and for all the sins of mankind. Jesus, the Christ, became Jesus, the cursed. How did he become the cursed? He exchanged it. It was in that grace exchange. He laid aside the anointing and in exchange for the anointing, he took upon himself the curse. And so much of that curse is weakness. It's weak. It's being weak spiritually. It's being weak physically. It's being weak mentally. It's being weak emotionally and financially in every area of our lives. That curse, being cursed is being 
is being eternally weak. No strength, no ability to overcome. No ability to rise above. No ability to fight. That's what a weak immune system is. It has no ability to fight off. And we're seeing it all over the world. Do you see who is most affected by this virus that's spread all over the world? It's people who were already compromised in their immune systems, already compromised on the inside physically. And when that virus hit, there wasn't enough strength to fight against it. There wasn't enough strength to rise above it. This is why you want to be strong on the inside. And there's so only so much that you and I can do to strengthen ourselves physically. You can eat healthy, that's a good start. You can work out, these things are good. You can, you can supplement your body with the right vitamins and you can, you can do all, uh, 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 all these natural things, but that only goes so far. What you want and what you need is a supernatural source of strength. What you want is a supernatural flow of strength. That's what the anointing is. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, there's that anointing, and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. How did Jesus heal those who were oppressed? He did it by imparting that same anointing that was on him into them. That is your supernatural flow of strength. I think back on the life of the man named Samson. You know, Samson in the Old Testament, we all have this picture of him, right? Because of these great feats of strength that he performed and how he fought against a thousand men and how he, how he tore down uh, huge stone pillars or how he ripped off city gates and in our minds he's this giant man you know six foot nine and 280 pounds or more and he's just like ripped muscle on top of muscle on top of muscle and I know that's the picture we've always had of him and if you've been in church since a little child you've heard the story of Samson you always see him depicted as this huge physically strong muscle-bound guy but you know, you read his life story throughout the book of Judges, and there is not one reference that I can find to his physical strength. Not one. Not one reference to how big or how tall. Not one reference to how many inches around his biceps were. None of that. But what you do see, I believe it's five times throughout the chapters that cover his life, you see these words and the Spirit of the Lord came on him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily on him. The Spirit of the Lord came on him and he fought off the Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord came on him and he fought and killed a lion. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. That is the only reference you see to what caused his supernatural strength. Now, maybe he was, I don't know. Maybe he was a big dude. Maybe he was ripped beyond anything you can imagine. Maybe, but also maybe not. That's why in my mind, Samson looked a lot more like me 
That just, that does something for me. That helps me, okay? Give that to me. Samson looked like this, but when the Spirit of the Lord came on him, there was an increase of strength. There was a supernatural increase of strength. And don't forget, one of the big reasons we're talking about this today is not just so that you benefit from it right now, so that there's an increase of strength into your own body right now. But remember, we're talking about this as one of the catalysts to the explosive growth of this church. How's this church gonna grow? It's gonna be miracle grow. That's how this place will grow. It will be miracle grow. This place will grow through signs and wonders and miracles. And what is a miracle? It is a sudden, explosive increase of strength. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.